Welcome to Medicine Matters, the Springer Medicine Podcast. In this episode, we're discussing a really exciting hot topic in neurology. We're looking at the anticipated benefits of stem cell therapy in Parkinson's disease. As we all know, stem cells hold enormous potential for a range of clinical conditions, and neurologists have now successfully managed to turn stem cells into dopamine nerve cells. These can then be transplanted into the brains of people with Parkinson's to replace the cells that are lost during the course of the disease. Sounds really promising, right? Well, research is still in the very early stages, but in our podcast today, we are hearing from Professor Malin Palmer, who is leading these first really exciting clinical trials. Hello, I'm Lucy Piper, Medwine News Bureau Chief at Springer Healthcare. I'm here with Marlon Palmer, who is a professor in cellular neuroscience at Lund University in Sweden. Welcome, Marlon, and thanks for joining me today. Can I kick off by asking you to tell us a bit more about yourself? Sure. So uh, my name is Marlon Palmer, and I work here at Lund University in Sweden. I am about 20 years into my scientific career, and I've been spending a lot of time working on development, stem cell differentiation, and different ways to repair damages in the brain with focus on Parkinson's disease. Thank you. So I'm very excited to discuss with you the STEM PD trial that you and your team have embarked on, um, which involves the transplantation of stem cell-derived dopamine cells into the brains of Parkinson's disease patients. But before we do, um, could you explain what stem cell therapy involves in this setting and why it's a promising approach for Parkinson's disease treatment? Yeah, sure. This is actually very important. Parkinson's disease is a very common neurodegenerative disease. It's the second most common after Alzheimer's disease. A neurodegenerative disease means that cells, neurons in the brain die. So what makes Parkinson's disease a particularly attractive target for cell-based therapies is that in Parkinson's disease, it's primarily one type of neuron that dies, and that's the dopamine neurons in the midbrain. So they, that's the one point, that it's one type of neuron that we need to replace. The other point is that we don't have a lot of these dopamine neurons, so there's not a large number of neurons that need to be replaced. And the third point is that they, the ones that degenerate in, the, in Parkinson's disease, they send their projection to the uh, forebrain in the stratum where they release dopamine, and that's where uh, the dopamine acts to re- regulate our movements. So we also only need to replace the cells in one area, which is in the stratum, which is their target area. So it's one cell type, not a lot of cells, and in one location. And this makes it the easiest disease to target in the brain with cell-based therapies. That makes perfect sense and explains why trials have been able to move forward for this disease. So although it's still a little far from the clinic at the moment, how does this type of treatment potentially fit alongside existing therapies for Parkinson's disease? And what advantages might it offer? Yes, yeah, so stem cell therapy for Parkinson's disease are now in clinical trials, both in our trial here in Sweden called STEM-B, STEM-PD, but also in trials in the US and Japan. So it's a very exciting phase of development. At this stage, it's all safety trials. So we need to t- test that the cells are safe and then also that they're effective. Uh, and these trials are done in groups of patients that it's best to trial, do safety and uh, tolerability studies in, for example. And in the long run, though, we think that this is a, a very good first-line therapy, meaning that st- the stem cell therapy, once it's proven to be safe and uh, efficacious, 
is what is offered to the patients at the time of diagnosis, so very close to the time of diagnosis, and would be given before oral dopamine medication, for example. So this sets us off very differently from the brain stimulation or other types of invasive therapies that are targeted for later stages of the complication phase of the disease. So in a way, one can see it as an alternative to oral medication, which is what we use uh, today. Uh, but when you deliver dopamine or dopamine agonists um, to the brain via oral medication, the dopamine is delivered globally, meaning in the whole brain, and it's also not regulated. So cell therapies is a way to deliver or replace uh, dopamine neurons loss to the disease, and thus the dopamine in the brain, in a targeted and a regulated manner, meaning that we hope to get a better long-lasting effect and also get rid of many of the side effects that are associated with the long-term use of the dopamine medications. Okay, so this would potentially save patients from the negative impact of oral medication over the long term. And So what's the effect of stem cell transplantation on the Parkinson's disease itself? So it's not a disease-modifying therapy, and I think this is important to understand that cell-based therapies or deep brain stimulation or the other advanced therapies out there, they don't modify the course of the disease. What cell therapy is doing is that it's treating the symptoms. So it treats the symptoms of the disease, so you may not notice the continued uh, degeneration in the brain, but the, the disease itself actually continues while the symptoms are managed then with the cell-based therapy. Ah, so it's about making the disease manageable for the patients. Great. Now to the details of your STEM-PD trial, which is a multi-centre effort between Sweden and the UK involving eight patients with Parkinson's disease, the first of whom received their induced pluripotent stem cell graft in February of this year. What's the current status of the trial and the main aim? So this is a safety and tolerability trial. It involves eight patients in total, and the patients are staggered uh, based on a predetermined schedule that has been approved by the authorities. So there's one month between patient one and two, and then there's at least three months between patient three and four. After the fourth patient, we will wait uh, six months and then make a decision if we're going to escalate the dose or if we're going to maintain the same dose of cells. And if we maintain the same dose of cells, the next four patients can be dosed without the specific staggering schedule. But if we increase the dose, again, because this is a safety trial, we will go back to the same staggering schedule as we've done for the low dose. Okay. And given the exploratory nature of the trial, I'm sure it's not been without its challenges, both expected and unexpected. What's it taken to get to this point? And what have you learned along the way? So this has been a massive effort from experts in all different fields. And we published the research-grade protocol, so how, uh, how you make a stem cell into a transplantable dopamine neuron. This we published in 2012. And since then, it's been a decade of work that's been focused on looking at the quality and efficacy of the cells, but also develop them, developing them for clinical use. And this has been done in different EU networks. We always have our closest collaborators at Cambridge University Hospital, where Roger Barker is the clinical lead uh, for the STEM-PD trial. It also involves a lot of collaboration with uh, industry in terms of manufacturing the cells in a way that they can be used uh, in patients and also then all the safety and efficacy testing on the cell product that is required 
to get regulatory approval of a stem cell product. It's been a massive amount of work, involved hundreds of people, uh, primarily in Europe, but also collaborators uh, globally. It sounds like it's been a rigorous process. Do you think this process will become easier going forward? I think it will get easier, or, or at least faster in the future. Part of this is because the, we in Europe, as well as our colleagues in Japan and US, are really at the forefront of, of the stem cell field. So the regulatory agencies are not used to it either. So stem cell therapies, the way we use them, are regulated as a drug, but they're very different from a traditional drug. So the authorities that regulate these therapies uh, are also new at this. And that means that uh, we have to work with them to find the best way to show safety, the best way to show efficacy, what tests you need to be done, how can we get global compliance on these products. It's been a very interactive and very positive process with the regulatory authorities. I think that once... Uh, the, these initial pioneering therapies have been brought th- forward and tested in patients. We also know more about what is the best way to assess the cells before use in patients, and this will be streamlined uh, over time. And although it may never be as easy as a traditional drug, I think it will be much easier. Both the, the scientists and the regulatory uh, agencies uh, will know more about the cells and their uh, safety profile. So a proper collaborative effort that seems to have paved the way for future efforts. So stem cell therapy seems to offer a promising option, and we're obviously getting increasingly closer with clinical trials to be able to demonstrate that. But we can't ignore the possible barriers and concerns surrounding it. So could I ask you to share your thoughts on the safety of the procedure? I know that this is a safety trial and the ethical considerations and potential concerns that people might have around cell grafting techniques. Yeah, so if you think about stem cells in general, particularly products derived from pluripotent stem cells, which is the type of cell that we uh, start with, um, these cells are great to use in therapy because they proliferate unlimited. So we can make unlimited amounts. These cells divide a lot. They also have the potential to make any cell type in the body. This is what makes them so great to use in therapy. It's also what makes them uh, a little bit uh, dangerous work, what requires caution when using them in therapy, because we want to make sure that we can properly control the cells to form only the cell types that we need, and also that we can control their differentiation or uh, control their proliferation. And this is what the field has struggled with for decades, and we're finally at the stage where it is possible to make uh, very streamlined differentiations into cell types like dopamine neurons or uh, GABAergic interneurons or uh, or cell types in the eye, for example. So that is a, a problem with the pluripotent stem cell that one need to manage very carefully in the preclinical studies. When it comes to transplantation in the brain, you have um, additional uh, safety concerns, which is how you implant the cells, what is the surgical procedure like, and also the fact that once you put the cells in, there's no way to take them out. And that is managed by using very standard surgical techniques that, uh, as much as possible, train surgeons. Uh, and we always look at the, 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 the risk of the surgery, the risk of the cell product, and then also weigh that for the benefit to the patient. So in our trial, we use patients with moderate Parkinson's disease, meaning that even though 
once a cell therapy has been proven safe and effective, it's better to go in earlier stage patients. But these patients have a lot of treatment options today. So the the risk uh, outweighs the benefit in that case. And if you go to two late stage patients, they maybe have very limited treatment options, but also they have a very low chance of getting an effect of the graft. So somewhere you need to hit the, the point where the risk and the benefit match. And this is what I think that we've done in STEM PD. And of course, this is what has been approved both by the regulatory authorities, but also by the ethical boards that we use. So it's always a challenge when you do this first in human dose trials, but it's very, very uh, long, tedious and careful work done by the scientists, the clinicians, the ethicists, and all the boards regulating this. It's very reassuring to know that it's such a thorough and heavily regulated safety process and that the patient's risks and benefits are carefully balanced. The one thing that we've done in STEMPD, for example, is that we found a way to make big batches of cells so we can make we can manufacture many, many cells and then we keep them in the freezer. And these cryopreserved cells, we can then use exactly the same batch of cells in our animal studies to show safety and efficacy. And they use the exact same cell batch when we transplant the patients. So this is something that was quite hard to establish and set up, but that really increases safety level of these uh, first human dose trials. This is something that you probably can't use for autologous grafting, which is patient-specific treatments. But I think that this is where we need to start and learn, and then you can move from there. And finally, if we if we look to the future for a moment, um, assume stem cell therapy is feasible, safe, you know, efficacious treatment option for patients with Parkinson's disease. How do you see it being scaled up and delivered in the clinic? What what does using it in practice kind of look like? How this is going to be upscaled, delivered globally, uh, is something that we work with industry to do. It's not something that can be done in academia. We can show that the cells are safe and effective and kind of pave the way for a global development of a therapy. And that involves how do you make the cells in large enough numbers? How do you test the cells in sufficient ways? How do you deliver them to the patient? What kind of implantation device do you use? And this is something that should be um, we hope it's not going to be only very specialized clinics that can deliver this therapy, but that can be done at most uh, university hospitals with a good neurosurgery department. So there's a lot of factors in this, and this is something where really academia and industry need to work together to reach that goal in the future. So how far into the future do you think we're looking in order to, to reach this goal? It's a bit hard to say, but one complication is that it takes at least six months and maybe 12, one to two years before you can see the full effect in patients. So this slows down the phase one to A trial as well as initiating the phase three uh, trials, for example. But the cell product is well on its way. I know that there's been a lot of work done on the delivery device. So I think it's realistic to assume that there's a number more at least more than one phase three trials ongoing in four four to five years time. And then from there, it's another couple of years to it's a medical product. And this also varies a little bit from region to region where Japan, for example, have a regulatory framework that allows for faster development of uh, uh, commercial products. So a little bit depending on the region, 
Uh, but within 10 years' time, I think this can definitely be a reality. Your trial results are due to publish in early 2027. So what are the next steps in terms of the trial and your team? So uh, I lead the STEM PD trial, which is an academic trial. And then if this uh, first trial is safe and we see some effect of the cells in the secondary endpoints, we have already established collaborations with industry partners to bring this out to a global therapy. For me as an academic, I'm already thinking about how can we make better cells, how can we make better transplants, what's in it in the future. So what we work on in my lab today are studies that we hope will enhance the cells in the second or third generation therapies that uh, will come to the patients much after this first therapy, but you always have to have uh, your site far in advance and always work towards better cells and better therapies. So lots of hard work ahead. Thank you, Marlin, very much for taking the time to talk to me about the STEM-PD trial and how STEM therapy could change the focus for Parkinson's disease treatment in the future. I wish you every success and look forward to seeing the results of your trial and others in this field as they're published. Thank you very much. This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals for their ongoing medical education and entertainment. It should not replace the professional advice of a doctor or pharmacist and may not be used as a basis for diagnosis or any change to the prescribed treatment of disease. The views expressed by our moderators and guests are their opinions and do not represent the position of any third parties. The information given in the podcast is subject to change as the scientific field and clinical advances progress.